Welcome to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com, a place to talk about the experiences that we call life. We'll share the sorrow and the joy that makes this earthy existence real and makes us who we are. Now, here's your host, Renee Steelman. Good morning. Good morning, everyone, and happy April Fool's Day. I hope that you're not getting pranked. I absolutely hate pranks. I see nothing funny in any of them, um, but I hope so. I hope that you're not having to endure anything like that today. And I have to share with you that um, I am sitting here looking out my window, and if heaven sent is the name of my show, let me tell you, I am heaven sent right now because I am looking out onto these beautiful red mountains. I'm actually sitting in St. George, Utah, very close to Zions National Park at a place called Red Mountain Resort. It is the best place in the world. I've, I haven't visited a lot of other spa slash resort type places because I'm afraid to. Once I've been here, I'm afraid that everything else is going to be downhill. And so I just kind of keep coming back uh, to this location. But I'm, I'm looking out. The sky is blue. There's beautiful fluffy clouds. The mountains are red. There's desert sage. It's absolutely amazing. And, um, I just got away for a little bit of a break to celebrate my birthday, and I'm just, uh, as soon as I'm done with this radio show, I'm going to walk over to the restaurant and have a wonderful, healthy lunch. I'm so excited. But I'm even more excited about my guest today because uh, I have just shaken my head in amazement for the entire nine years that I've known Becky. And I, I cannot believe what this girl has gone through. And if you were to look at her, you would never suspect. You would think that she just has life on an ice cream, you know, in, in an ice cream bowl with sprinkles on top. Because you would think that everything in her life was just perfect. She has a handsome husband who loves her and supports her. She has these two gorgeous, active, obedient, kind, smart, wonderful children. And so you would just look at her and go, oh, wow, what a, what a blessed life. And you know what? She does have a blessed life, but she's also had some trials and that's why I wanted Becky to be my guest today because, you know, the show is heaven sent and bent. And it's just a reminder that life is a, a cyclical form of blessings and trials and blessings and trials and the trials become our blessings and the blessings become our trials and it's just a journey. And so I have invited Becky this morning to tell us about her journey and her trials and everything that she's gone through in the last nine years and probably probably closer to almost 10 with everything that's gone on in her family. But let me introduce you today to Becky. How are you this morning? I'm doing good. How are you? And I don't feel bad talking to you, Becky, because I know that where you're at, it's also sunny and beautiful. I was just, I was thinking when you were saying that, I'm thinking, well, she left the wrong week because it's yeah. beautiful here in Portland. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you, I did, I did, you know, go away the wrong week because it's a little chilly here. I was listening to the weather this morning and they were, they were saying, oh, you know, 60 degrees and 70 degrees. And I'm like, uh, I think it's warmer where I came from it than it is here. yesterday. Oh my gosh. And I don't think, I don't think I packed. I don't think I packed right. So I, I'm sitting here looking out my window going, yeah, I didn't bring a coat. I was not prepared for chilly mountain weather. So yes, you have it beautiful where you're at right now, but that isn't always the case. So Becky, when I have to tell the story, I have to tell the story to our listeners of how we met. Um, we moved, we moved back to Vancouver about nine years ago. Gosh, you know, has it, was it nine years ago or is it almost 10? It might be even closer to almost 10. But, um, you know, and I met Becky and I was sitting in her living room and we were chatting and I was getting to know her a little bit more and she was telling me a little bit about everything that she was kind of still going through. And, you know, I, I, we talked, we chatted and then I got up to leave. There was a knock on the door and the door opened and this man walked in and I was like, I know you. Why, why do I know you? And I got out to my car 
then I got back out of my car and I walked back and I said, I know you. Who are you? And he tells me his name and I'm like, what, what, how, how are you related to Becky? And I'm her dad. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Friends from the past. We had, we, we used to live in Vancouver. 30, almost 40 years ago, and I knew Becky's parents 40 years ago, and we worked together at church. We did all these things together, and I knew them, And but, you know, we moved away, and you lose contact with people, and here I was in the living room of a little girl who was the same age as my son, who who I knew as a, you know, two-year-old, and mm-hmm. now I'm sitting there talking to her as an adult. It's just freaky. I remember so, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just freaky. But anyway, so Becky, when I met you, we were sitting there talking, and you were going through another cancer. You had already – okay, wait, let yeah. tell the story, because which came first, the breast cancer or the colon issues? Um, my, my Crohn's. Okay, so the the Crohn's had come through. So tell us a little bit about your story as far as your mother has also gone through breast cancer. Did her cancer occur first in your life or were you the first one that had to undergo? She had it first. Um, She had hers in 2004 when she was 54 years old. And uh, she had breast cancer. And uh, five years later after that, after she got completed with that, she actually had uterine cancer. (gasps) Oh! Oh my gosh. Okay. And so five years, so 2009, she had uterine cancer and, and you had not started or, or had, I had detected- already gone through my breast cancer. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So tell us a little bit. Let's start out with your mom. Tell us a little bit about her story. Um, your mom, she, uh, we didn't really, you know, my, my son, my, I said my, uh, little brother had cancer when he was six months old and never really, once he got kind of over that, he had a neuroblastoma and we never really had any cancer going on in our family. And then one day my mom found a pretty significant sized lump, um, in her left breast and she kind of went on from there and found out that she had cancer and, um, went through a partial mastectomy and the chemo and radiation and, uh, it was kind of unexpected just because we didn't really know that cancer really ran in our family or anything, you know, and, right. uh, kind of went through her treatments with that. Mm. And she's been fine. She's been in remission since then. Yeah. Ever since, you know, she, you know, she, she, you know, I, I look at her story, I look at my story and some people might think that my story is, Oh my gosh, how can she do it? But my mom's had some bumps too. Like she had her breast cancer and then five years later, she got uterine cancer, but she also, there's a side effect of radiation, which is lymphedema, and she has that um, pretty bad in her left arm, and it's something oh. that she has to deal with every day, and there's no cure for that, and uh, it's where the And that's the, the that's the retaining of the fluid, where the right. fluid's not, not going through. And, well, because and, they take uh, out all your lymph nodes, <gasps> and so there's nothing to fight off infection, there's nothing, so you have to be so careful when you have your lymph nodes taken out that you can't even get you can get an infection from a from a paper cut. So something from a big gash, you know, scrape on your arm okay. to something as little as a paper cut, you can get an infection. And if you do, there's no um, there's no resistance. There's no there's nothing to help you in your arm because all your lymph nodes are gone. And something happened, and where she got lymphedema, and you know, it's where the swelling of her arm is is quite large, and it doesn't really go down. And so, I mean. I don't know how she handles that. You know, and sometimes she doesn't handle yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Not that because it's, it's painful, right? It's, it's, uh. It's painful and it's, cause your arm swells. It's like one side of, uh, one side's fine in your shirt and the other side is, you know, very large yeah. and doesn't fit through your arms and, or, you know, your arm sleeves. Your sweater and, or your sleeve. Yeah, yeah. Your sweaters, whatever. So it, it, it's a constant reminder. You know, it definitely looks different than the other arm. And, right. You know, it's hard to hide it. Wow. So, but, okay, your little brother that had cancer, is this your twin or your your other brother? This is my little brother who's five years younger than I am. Oh, your little brother. Okay. And he was six months old? He was six months old. He had um, gone in for just his six months. He was born a very happy, healthy baby. Six months later, went into the doctor just for that regular six-month checkup. The doctor was kind of feeling around in his stomach and was like, you know, I don't think something feels right in here. I think that you need to go and take him over to Dornbecker. 
And so they did, and they found out that he had a neuroblastoma cancer tumor, and that was just pretty much the whole size of his stomach. Oh, my gosh. um, It was a very scary situation. And he wasn't really expected to survive that, actually. They had told mom and dad that don't we're going to do what we can, but don't right. expect, you know, the best situation out of this because he's so small and it's so big and it's intertwined throughout all these organs. And um, uh, a, a little happy story with that, too, if I can bring yeah. my, uh, my uh, religion part of it. Um, right. They, you know, while he was in... Uh, his surgery, mom kind of felt that she had a little bit of reassurance. She thought it was my dad next to her, and instead she kind of felt like she had an arm around her and there wasn't anybody there. So Aww. obviously feeling like she maybe had a little bit of a of an angel around her. Right. And the doctors, um, you know, doctors, they don't always like to give other people credit, especially Emily Father. You know, they, right. they've gone through a lot of schooling. They know what they're doing, right? And, right. Um, when they came out, uh, my brother, like I said, they had said originally, don't expect the worst because it's not going to probably end up, you know, right. And uh, they came out and said, I, I don't know what happened. It was completely intertwined between all of his organs. And when we opened him up, the tumor pretty much just fell into our hands. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my gosh. And they said that, you know, obviously there was somebody else in that room with us. I thought that was pretty cool for doctors to kind of admit that. It wasn't all us. They knew it was going to be yeah. hard, and it ended up just, you know. Oh, that just makes falling. me cry. That's amazing. And he has had, um, we'll get back to you, but I'm fascinated with this. Um, he has had a few kind of uh, digestive-type things, problems late, lately, or has he just, I, I'm trying to remember if I heard. I mean, it hasn't been, he hasn't had cancer, but there's been some issues. Is that correct? Um, no, not not for not for my younger brother. Okay. Okay. I might be confusing stories. Okay. But that's in, that is, that is interesting. Did you ever, as a family, sit down with all of your family and think, were we living in a cancer zone? Was there something in the water? Was there, were there electrical wires going over our house? I mean, did you ever wonder about that? Oh, yeah. We used to sit there and say, we need an Aaron Brockovich. We need somebody because it, the old neighborhood that we lived in, so here we had three of us that had cancer, and we had several other members of our church that live in the same area that had gotten cancer, and who knows how many other people who we didn't know, right? And you know, had cancer. And we've always thought that there was maybe I, there was a, a point sometime in history where we kind of lived down the road from this this private airplane or uh, airport that uh-huh. there were some pro- problems with them dumping chemicals at the end of the runway. And who knows, maybe some of that stuff got into our water. But, we, yeah, no, we've always thought about that thing. And somebody should go back there and do a little bit of research. Yeah. Did did uh, Marion Parker live in your neighborhood? Uh, she did. Okay, because that I remember... I remember connecting with Marion a couple of years ago. I had, again, I hadn't seen her in 40 years. And she was telling me that, yeah, her husband had cancer. Did Marion also have breast cancer? No, no, just a... Okay, it was just her husband. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember her saying there was somebody else. There were some other people that kind of lived in the neighborhood. Yeah, both Chamberlain's husband and wife, both both got breast cancer. I mean, breast cancer, cancer. He ended up dying from cancer. David Tamerlan, and then um, you know, his wife went through breast cancer herself. And but there's been several yeah. different people along the way. That's like, all right, this is just too weird, you know. Yeah, yeah. Did Nina Adamson live in your area at all? Do you remember Nina? I don't remember uh, that name. I re- she was someone from my from the same era when we were living back there, and her son um, had, well, I think he might have had a form of leukemia. But there was just I've known so many people in the Vancouver area. Um, uh, Cheryl Cowley had breast cancer. Just so many people from my past that we all, you know, we all lived in a very pretty close geographical mm-hmm. area that has, it's, it, you really, seriously, we really need to fly in, Aaron, and figure out what's going yeah, on. We really do. Yeah, there yeah, has to be something. Yeah. It's just too many people. Right. So some people you meet and they're like, I don't know anybody's ever had cancer. And then you meet yeah. some of us that lived in the same area and we're like, yeah, we know lots of people. So yeah. There's definitely something there. So tell us, so you've gone through this with your mom. So what was your experience then? And, and that must have been so frightening. So tell us your story. So um, from the beginning or just? just yeah, just when you started okay. getting sick in general. Just, yeah, so you know. When it, I was in, 
in high school, um, started to have um, just some gastrointestinal issues, just, um, you know, those pains in the stomach. And you kind of, I went to the doctor and didn't have a very good diagnosis there and um, and kind of kept going throughout my early 20s and uh, kept getting sick. And I worked a lot of jobs and was very busy, so I, I don't know that I put in a whole lot of time you know, trying to figure it out, just kind of kept trucking along. And then um, soon after I was married, I, I mean, I was very, I was getting very, very sick. I was sick every day, really, of my life. And uh, finally went into uh, the hospital, another ER visit. And I had a great doctor who, um, uh, at first, we kind of read each other wrong when we first came in. Um, but he was a hard-nosed doctor from Boston and he just kind mm-hmm. of um once he got into it he was like all right we'll we'll, we'll do every test here because I right. was telling him I was constantly in the ER I was like I gotta figure this right. out and I, you know I, I've kind of done some research but this is what I think I, I have but you know no one's been able to tell me anything and 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 I did have a great gastrointestinal doctor who's fabulous I still see him but um uh this particular ER doctor kind of did all these tests on me and he came back and gave me the phone and it was uh my my gastro doctor who was mm. was out of town. He gave me a call there in the ER and said, All right, it's been confirmed, you've got Crohn's disease and uh from there just started trying lots of different medications. You know, with Crohn's I was sick really almost every day of my life. Uh I, I can remember working I, I work for an airline and I can remember working a trip, you know, working at the gate, and I'd get done with that trip, barely able to stand up. I'd have to go in the bathroom and throw up, and I'd be just so sick from pain. And, oh and the pain's gosh. really just like from just eating or just stress also bring brings it on. And I'd go mm-hmm. back and work another trip, and I'd go back and be sick. And, I mean, I was... I don't. I don't know how I did it. Actually, now that I look yeah. back at it. Well, so, and tell tell the listeners exactly what is Crohn's disease. It's an inflammatory bowel disease, and um. You just, uh, things that you eat and drink, you don't absorb all your nutrients. And so your immune system is definitely weakened. And, um, well, it, it, it crowns it as an attack on the, on the, it's autoimmune disease. And uh-huh. it's just kind of your, your intestines get inflamed and it gets to that point where they're so inflamed that they're almost closed. So either you can get a blockage or just get lots of pain, you know, mm-hmm. things trying to get through there. And, so it were, was the treatment, did they also want you to basically drink your food? I mean, I, I, I remember I had another friend that had Crohn's, and she had the problem with she would take Prendizone, which would make her gain weight, but then she's told don't eat fresh fruits and vegetables because that's uncomfortable going through the bowel system. And so she was. she just felt like there was nothing she could do for her health. So what what kind of a diet did they put you on, or what what did you try to survive? Because I imagine, I mean, eating a lot of roughage probably isn't the best idea for someone with Crohn's disease. Yeah, you know, honestly, I had read different books, and Crohn's disease is such a crazy disease because it, there's not just one one. There's no cure for Crohn's disease, so there's yeah. not one. All right, do this, and it's going to work. There's not just one cure all. So everyone's kind of different. So I would kind of read up on things, and I'd go in and see my doctor and say, all right, well. What about this? What about this? And honestly, his reaction was just, yeah, try it. Try uh, it. I mean, like, because yeah. everybody's different. So I never was put on by a doctor any particular diet. It was one of those, you know, here's what can affect it. You know, I was definitely affected mm-hmm. by, um, like, uh, raw, be- raw vegetables, carrots. Oh, my gosh, that could just throw me through the roof, you know. Yeah, like yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I tried several different things. I tried drinking my diet. I tried cutting out vegetables. I tried... Um, you know, doing well. They gave, well. They had me on tons of different kinds of medications that I was on oh. before I actually had surgery. But um, right, uh, yeah, you just had to try a little bit of everything, and nothing really right. was working. So the medication that they gave you pr- predominantly is just to try to reduce the inflammation. Yeah. And okay. So how? So did so that did that help? Did, were you able to finally find some relief from the pain? You know, there really wasn't ever any one thing that really worked for me. I mean, they kind of, they had me on, I mean, I've been on several, maybe six different medications. I was on a, I was on a, a chemo type of a medication for it. And 
helped a little bit. And actually, I ended up having surgery. Um, I had a bowel resection in 2006. Mm. And really, it wasn't until that surgery that I started to feel better. There really wasn't. Once they went in there, they were like, you know, we probably could have done this five years ago, but they don't want surgery to be the first option to start chopping at everybody. So they try to give you different options. And by the time I had my surgery, they were like, you know, we could have absolutely done this probably five years ago, but we just didn't know how bad, you know, I was pretty much closed. I mean, there was a reason why I was sick every day. Yeah. So they basically had to go in and take out the parts of the, of the intestines that were just damaged and weren't functioning properly. Yeah, I had 18 inches that were just zero good. <laughs> they were definitely wow. bad. Wow. So at this point now, have you had have you had your children yet? Uh, I had had both my children. Yes. Okay. Maybe so that so how did that work? Were, were your pregnancies difficult? Because I can't imagine. I mean, pregnancies are hard enough on your intestines and your bowels and everything else. Did was that? Were, did you have a difficult pregnancy because of the Crohn's? Okay. Now you're going to find this weird. Here I am, sick every single day in my life. Right. Right. I get pregnant, and for some reason, I just didn't really have problems while I was pregnant. It's very bizarre. Obviously, I'm watched over constantly when I'm going through things. But, um, yeah, I I had a fear of that, thinking, how can I possibly be this sick and have a baby in me? People are sick anyway when they're pregnant that I thought I would be terrible. And, honestly, it just kind of went away. Like, it just, I, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, it's amazing what the body and the hormones do. I had a friend who had severe migraines and the only time she didn't have migraines is when she was pregnant because the hormone, your hormones just, you know, they're just different and things are all messed up. And, uh, you know, you hear that so many times, different things. Some people feel worse. Other people feel better. It's amazing. So, wow. Okay. So you had the surgery and you're thinking, this is great. I'm I'm cured, I'm good, I'm feeling good, and then what? So uh, that was a very rough surgery. So I went through that, sur- that surgery, I was in the hospital for eight days, and from day one, I was up walking the halls, I was doing great. It was like, I cannot believe that I am not sick. Like, this is the most yeah. amazing thing ever. Walking right. the halls back and forth where sometimes they just be like, gosh, we can never get anybody out of their room to walk. And I was like, let's get, let's do this. Let's, I, yeah. I'm able to walk and feel good. Walk in the halls for eight days. And finally, I had had in-laws that had come in and take care of my kids. Right. And uh, I came home and I was doing great. And they were like, you know, I think we're going to, I think we're going to go home. I think you're doing pretty good. And yeah. And I was like, yeah, I, I, thanks for coming, but I think I am doing pretty great. Well, my parents were... They said, you know, why don't you come over to our house for just give you one more night without the kids and kind of hang out with us and and we'll take care of you tonight. Well, had I known my life was going to be turned around right after that, I was sleeping there and got up in the middle of the night thinking I just had to use the restroom and took about four steps and just keeled over in tremendous, horrible pain. And... um, ran to the bathroom. I didn't know what was going on with me. And all I could do was pretty much scream. I couldn't get much out. And what had happened to me um, was the one stitch. It's like the one in a million people (laughs) that this could happen to. Yes. And the one stitch that that, uh, was stitched up where my intestine surgery was um, had had come loose. And so I had poisonous toxins throughout (gasps) my body. And uh, it's it's like the tube came off of the lawn, the hose, and exactly. and so it was just spilling waste into your system. Yeah, and it was horrible. It was like, I mean, my I was I was gray, I was gaunt, I was like my it looked like my skin was just like shriveling up to my bones, and my poor parents. I mean, I had I, I it was like having giving birth to 10 people, you know, 10 to 10 yeah. babies with no medication and they're right. all going to come out of every part of my body. It was just the pain is something that I'll probably never, ever forget. And, uh, uh, I just pretty much, uh, like I said, I, I couldn't say anything besides right. screaming out to have my father to, to save me. The only right. thing going through my mind at the time was my daughter's only two years old. I cannot, yeah. I cannot die. Yeah. She's not going to remember yeah. me. And that was, yeah. 
my biggest fear that it was like, I, I don't know what's happening to me, but I need some help. And I was just so afraid of my daughter not remembering who right. I was. I know it seems goofy, maybe selfish at the time. No, no, just, exactly. Oh I mean, that's like you're thinking my baby. I'm, I mean, two year olds, they don't remember. My, my mm-hmm. granddaughter was two when her father died and she doesn't remember him. And I can, you know, that's totally understandable. So they must have just called 911 and called rushed you back. 911 and Again, I'm telling you, I've just been blessed with fantastic doctors. Yeah. So my doctor, um, he got a call and said, you know, they said, this is your patient. This is what's happening. And he came. He knew immediately what was happening. Right. And um, he arrived at the hospital in his pajamas and slippers. <gasps> like he literally oh jumped gosh. out of bed and he lived in the Laurelhurst area of Portland. And so beelined it across the bridge to Washington. And um, he showed up, he saw Steve and just said, this is really, really serious. I, I can't talk. We'll talk yeah. afterwards. Yeah. And yeah. after being in surgery for like eight hours, and they had to pull everything out of me. And <gasps> just uh, I, all my intestines, everything out of me just to completely clean out my whole system. And he saved my life. There's a special part of my heart that will be with Louis Moreau. And, uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, as it was, he told us later that I was I was less than an hour away from from dying. That I was the classic case of parentinitis, and yeah. that uh, it's just a miracle, really, that I was saved. You know. Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah that that is amazing, and I've heard that before too. When that 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 is so toxic that 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 right there uh, should have been the end. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. And he'd been dreaming about me. So he had, he just had a dream of me when he got the call. And, wow. and he just was like, all right, this is obviously, she's in my mind for a reason. This is him telling me later, you know, that yeah. uh, as soon as he got that call, it was like, all right, we, we got to do something about this, you know. And yeah. And PJs wow. and slippers. I just love that. I know. Seriously, that that says more than anything. The, his dedication that he would just mm-hmm. jump in the car and go. That's that is that. You know, I love hearing stories like that because oh, doctors get a bad rap, and sometimes it's justified. But there are so many great doctors out there, and thank heavens that we have those ones that are so dedicated to serving and and healing. That you know that keeps keeps us all alive and and going because there's some out there that you're wondering what the heck and but then you've got those heroes that well i've been blessed with the heroes honestly for everything that i've gone through all my doctors are absolutely the most fabulous and it's why i don't change the different types of insurance because it's like i can't imagine my life without these particular doctors in my life they're the ones i trust and you know obviously save save my life and so Yeah, yeah. Boy, that's, boy, that's a whole nother show right there. Just (laughs) that whole thing right there of not having to leave doctors that have been watching over you and you've trusted and have had their hands inside your gut for years. And then the thought of having to switch because of an insurance plan. Okay, that's a whole nother show. (laughs) But that's amazing. So, all right. So now, oh my gosh, they stitch you all back together. Wash you out with some Lysol, throw you back to, throw you back, and you're like, okay, I've been through enough. Obviously, this was my trial. We've gotten through this. We're good. Carry on. So okay, tell us. So this is 2006. So I am feeling great after all that junk got through. Feeling really great, honestly. Went from being sick every day of my life to being fabulous every day of my life and um, total blessing. And then uh, that was like January of 2006. And um, a year later in July, uh, I had just, I had just a week before passed some kidney stones, and uh-huh. uh, uh, which is a whole nother thing. And uh, uh, a week later, I was kind of talking to my husband and um, I have done regular breast exams but you know you never know you feel all these lumps and everything all over and you're like how am I ever going to know that this is a a real lump or you know I mean we're pretty lumpy you know as women and um, I had just honestly and just kind of talking had like I kind of remember maybe having a little bit of an itch or something you know and going over and feeling on the right side of my of my right breast and kind of felt a little lump and definitely 
something I had never felt before. Okay. And it was one of those, I told Steve, I was like, can you feel this? Does this feel yeah. like a lump or like, like a lump yeah. now? Like, 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 what do you think this is? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I kind of think it feels like a lump. I'm like, that's so weird. And I just, in my mind, I've had intestinal stuff forever. So right. even though my mom had had cancer right. before this, it just didn't dawn on me that this would be anything that I would have. So my first thought was, this can't really be it. If I'm going to have cancer, it's going to be something in the colon or something, you know. Right, exactly. So, and that was like a Friday. So, of course, I had to wait the whole weekend and saw a doctor on a Tuesday and had my first mammogram. And um, they had me back that next Friday for a biopsy. And by within the week, I found out that I had breast cancer. You must have been devastated. You must have just thought, what is going on here. Yeah. It kind of was surprising. I, yeah. I don't know that anybody really expects it, but it was definitely a, well, I'll be darned. Yeah. Is this really? I mean, like. <laughs> yeah. Because like you say, you, even though you, you knew that it was in your family, you, you thought my, my thing is the intestinal tract. Right. Mom had this. My brother had this. I have this. And so for you to have that diagnosis as well, you must have thought, what is going on inside? So did you end up having, did you end up having both breasts removed? I did. So I was only 33 years old and, um, I just was like, you know what? I am still young. I'm still, I'm still hanging out in swimsuits and you know what I mean? Yes. I'm still living a life. And I just kind of felt like, you know what? I'm young. I want to get all this crap out of me. Like it was just yeah. do whatever you got to do. Take take them both. Yeah. Why why risk it? This. Yeah. You already know that it's in your family. You already know that cancer is kind of running through your genes. So exactly. don't let's not even play around with this anymore. Yeah. And I didn't want to do, can't you know, go through and I hadn't even done chemo yet. And, and I'm glad I made this decision, but it was like, I don't want to do chemo twice. I don't want to do anything twice. Let's just get it all out and just be done with it. You know, I don't want to worry about it. So I did. Um, I had a great surgeon that uh, gave me my double mastectomy and, um, I had decided before I went in that I would have reconstruction. So my uh, reconstruction doctor was there on site as well and, uh, started the process of my reconstruction as soon as I had my, um, my, my mastectomy. Right, right. So that wasn't exactly, that wasn't an easy street as well, though. Everything didn't just bing, bing, bing. You had a few complications. So talk a little bit about that. So a lot, so, you know, it's funny. People say, oh, great. Oh, you got new breasts. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's not, I didn't just go down to LA and get myself a job. Like, no, it was a long, long process. So, you know, they put in expanders and every week you have to go through and, and, and get these these plastic pouches that are inside of you pumped up a little bit more because you're you have your mastectomy your all of those muscles in the front everything that could have been infected by cancer is taken so you have to take you know the lower muscle and re-expand that so that there's something to hold in and implant and yeah I went through um, I think a total of maybe five surgeries with that that um, they they expanded and then they went in there to try to to do the the surgery and then something didn't work and so I had to be filmed back up and then I did have something in there and then something was turned around and you know one of my implants was turned around so I had to be opened up again and as it was like I ended up taking um, the hardest surgery of all of that was my the, so radiation I had 37 treatments of radiation and wow. what radiation does is it um, just weakens any muscle and any tissue that it's hitting, and my right, right side was just demolished, really. I mean, it was just so thin that I it couldn't hold in an implant. So they took my back right, and I say this word right, latissimus muscle, yeah, um, yeah, and they split that in two. So I had a nice long slash down the back side of my right, right uh, back, and um, they took that muscle, wrapped it around, which is all, is, which is amazing in itself that they can do this. Wrap that around, and so part of my that back latissimus muscle is what holds in my right implant. And they took whatever skin they could from that surgery itself, on like on the back, and they placed that on the right side of of my breast, or on the front side of my right breast. 
and which is amazing that they can do that. Right. I mean, yeah, the things that they can do is it, it is it is truly amazing. But okay, so I can't not even imagine that your body has undergone chemotherapy, radiation, reconstructive surgery, uh, you know, removal of of parts. I distracted um, me in between my chemo and my radiation too. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. So then, did they find a cancer? Was it uterine cancer or ovarian? What did they find that that caused well, the hysterectomy? You know, there's a really close correlation between breast cancer and um, ovarian cancer. Okay. And I've had a hard time getting pregnant, and we'd yeah. had our, our one of each, and we had been trying for the last couple of years before this to have another one, and kind of wasn't working. And there's a good chance when you're done with chemo that you can't have children anyway. Right. Um, so, and I had had a doctor who I very much trusted, um, right. and he said, you know, you should you, you should look into this. You should consider, you know, right. if you're done looking right. doing this. And so we just, I was kind of in that same mode of, you know what, <laughs> let's just do it. Let's right. <laughs> I don't right. want to have to deal with this anymore. So right. I did. So in between the end of my chemo and before my radiation started, I had that hysterectomy and. So everything that you've gone through, the last surgery, the last time you've had to sit in a doctor's office was about eight years ago? No, no, the reconstruction just lasted forever. So it was, yeah. uh, I think it was like three and a half years ago. Okay. But what what I find so amazing is even though you've had, like you say, muscles taken out and had to have reconstructive surgery, you are so determined. I mean, I have seen the pictures of you rock climbing and and traveling and I know even in your job there's lifting. You are determined to get back. Every time you've gone through something, you're determined to get back to as healthy as you can and as strong as you can. And talk a little bit about what your family and and your faith and how that's kind of gotten you through all of this. You know, honestly, I have to give the majority of my credit to my faith. Like it, you know, the you start your chemo and they tell you, you know, in 14 days is when your hair will start to, to fall out. And I had gotten up in the middle of the night and felt kind of some tingling in my in my head and looked and kind of tugged out at my hair a little bit, you know, and yeah, whew, there went there went hair. So it was like, okay, well, you know what? This is happening. This is real. And um, so I kind of had a little bit of a, you know, I prayed that night and just kind of said, all yeah. right, you know, kind of like that song, Jesus, take take the wheel. You know, like, okay, I'm gonna, yeah. I need your help. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what's going to go on. So just wherever you can help me, please help me. And honestly, he did. I mean, I, I was picked up and I was helped. And never, you know, I just had a really good attitude. I just kind of felt like I don't remember ever being scared. Honestly, I don't remember being scared with breast cancer. I, I, I think the the trauma from the year before, right, just kind of seemed like nothing could get worse than that. And I don't remember having a, oh my gosh, I'm going to die from this, or I could die from this. I, I really don't remember going through through that. I just remember being like, you know what, let's just do it. Let's, what do we got to do? Let's just do yeah. this. And uh, had a really great attitude throughout the whole thing. And um, he. He helped me. There was there was one of my one of my sets of chemo really uh, really attacked my joints and my muscles, and that was probably the hardest part of it all. Was there was there wasn't any kind of a of a cure for that. Like they mm-hmm. had, they were throwing medications at me left and right. Nothing was helping, which right. interesting enough, you know, ended up helping me. Not all mm-hmm. these heavy dose medications, a vitamin called glucosamine. Oh <laughs> my me. gosh! Isn't that bizarre? So um, I went through that whole thing, and honestly, when you go through radiation, it's the same. It's the same story every day. You come in there, so they they give you these four little tattoos before you start, and it's and the machine knows exactly where to hit. And so you go in there and you lay down. It's the same story. You know exactly the way that the machine's going to go, and it's pretty. You're kind of in, kind of out with radiation. It's not terrible. At least my situation with breast cancer was not. I, you know, and never had anybody come in with me. It's not like when you go through your chemo, you have people that come in with you and sit with you, and it's a long right. process, days after days. Right. And um, uh, got through my last day, and I was, it's like, all right, it's my last day. Went in there excited, and um, 
it's so weird. I got through the end, like that very last radiation treatment. I, the machine moved where it's supposed to go, and it was the last click that all of a sudden, sorry, all of a sudden this weight had come off of my shoulders <gasps> that officially, it's like I really had been carried throughout this whole thing. Right. And it was like I was put down on the ground and said, all right, you're free. You're ready to go. And it was wow. I had no idea that I had these feelings. I had never had a moment that I sat down throughout the whole several months going, why me? Why me? Yeah. Like, I, I really never had any of that. I never did a, I never was a Debbie Downer or had that moment of, you know, my life sucks. I mean, I really didn't. I just yeah. See, kept I, carrying along. I just find that so amazing because here you are with these two little kids that, you know, you're going through this at the time when they're the busiest, when they're, mm-hmm. they're tiny and they're, they're not in school yet. And, or maybe, you know, Jake well, was in kindergarten and you've got to, greater. yeah, drag them back and forth and you're, you're supposed to be driving and all of this stuff. And, um, and the thought that you, you know, there weren't, you didn't have any days where you just stayed in bed and cried and thought, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm so sick of this. I hate this. Why me? Or anything like that? You know, I really don't. I mean, there were days that I kind of sat around because, you know, you're weak. You know, you're weak and you can't do much. But I I don't know. I really don't remember feeling like, why me? I, 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 yeah. I don't know. I just really don't remember yeah. having those moments. That's so that, great. I mean, I probably did, but I really don't remember. I mean, nothing that would have been significant right. that was a right. why me. So. Yeah. I wonder sometimes if there isn't, because you yourself are sick and you have, and it's a life and death situation, the fact that you're alive, you know, you're so grateful to be alive that it changes your thinking versus say, um, oh, I have another friend who's just gone through so much as far as outside people, um, you know, abuse and things like that. So I, I wonder sometimes if there's a a difference in that gratefulness to be alive versus I really wish this person would stop hitting me every day. You know what I mean? You know, uh, I think also along with that, though, not just I'm grateful to be alive, but, you know, you have children. I think yeah. what I did think was thank you for letting this be me. Like I, yeah. I, I do remember being grateful that it was me and not my yes. children. That it was like, yes. if, if I could choose anybody in the family, you know, yeah. my husband's the rock. So don't, don't mess yeah. with the rock, please. <laughs> and then yes. please don't oh. let my children get, get sick. And, and yes. I so take, I do this 18 times over again, just to know that my children would stay healthy. And I think yes. that that's what, what kicked me. And you know, honestly, it's, it's, it's a, having a good attitude, but also when you go through, to the cancer center, there are people that are on cancer to save their life, more like yeah. me. And then yeah. there's people that are on chemo to um, to prolong their, their life. And they know that this oh. is just kind of helping them truck along. And, oh. you know, everybody at that cancer center, if you ever think your life stinks, go and spend one day at the cancer center because those people will put your life in perspective. Right. I'll let you know that there are so many little things in this world that should not bother you. And they have the yeah. greatest attitude and they are the most supportive. I mean, the big thing when you're done with chemo is that you got to ring the bell. And oh. some people are never going to be able to ring that bell. And yeah. yet, even though they know that they're on this cancer and you're, or they're on this chemo to prolong their, their life and they're never going to ring the bell, they are your biggest cheerleaders. And. Oh. It's the people around you that it's your support that really helps you truck along. I mean, I remember I had a friend that said, "Okay, you're you're going to get worn out. Your friends are going to get worn out. They're not going to yeah. they're, they're not going to help after a certain bit of time. So when that happens, give me a call and I'll I'll take over. And you know what? My support never ever ended. I had great people in my church and my family at my work. My work would just out of nowhere. And we were a two-income family, too. So when you're not getting paid for nine months, it can oh kind of put a damper on, on things. And, you know, just yeah. at that time when you think, oh, my gosh, how are we going to buy Christmas presents? Or how yeah. are we going to pay this bill? Out of nowhere, they would have had a bake sale at work 
and they were giving me money, $250, you know, or the support never ended. Like they, everybody was so supportive and so helpful with my children and taking care of me and you coming over, you, you cleaned my house. Oh my gosh. Everybody, oh my gosh. Cleans my house. <laughs> Everything. You know, uh, and amazing. I think that's so, so important for people to understand that. I love that you told that story, Becky, because I think that's so important for people to understand that it is, it is a long process. And you're right. There, there are probably, I mean, I, I watch enough, unfortunately for me, a reality TV to see that people do get tired of the people who are chronically ill. And they they do start to pull away. It's like, oh, I've been listening to you boo-hoo for two years. I'm not going to answer your phone call anymore. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you, that there are those good people that are standing there by your side and doing these things for you, and that is how people survive. It there is, is no, there, there, yeah, there is no magic government program. There is no magic um, you know, of whatever. It's the people. It's us. It's and and it really is kind of scary, really, when you think about that you are the vessel that God is going to use to help and to relieve the pain and the suffering. You have to be that person. And um, I, it definitely, you have to do a mind flip. You really do have mm-hmm. to do a mind flip. And I'm so glad you told that story. That really should be every class at high school should have to go spend the day at a cancer center. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, Especially you know, the youth right now. <laughs> yeah. And then they could be like, so your hair isn't really, I don't know, curling the right way today. Okay. Today we're all going to the cancer center. We're going to talk about here what's important, mm-hmm. you know? Oh my gosh. A lot of kids don't understand either. So besides, you know, that this is a generation of meanness. <laughs> it really yeah. is. It's just like yeah. a lot of kids that don't understand, but there's a lot of kids that just don't understand either. So there's, when I went through my losing my my hair, my hair had just started to come back, and for the longest time, my son, who's a second grader, didn't always wanted me to make sure I wore my my wig. It was just you know, so I I did, and we'd finally my hair had grown out enough, which really, when you look back at it, was probably not very long. But when you go from bald to having a little yeah. bit, you think you've got a whole head of hair, right? And yeah. he had finally had said, um, "You know, Mom, I think you're okay. You don't need to wear a wig anymore." And I was like, "All right," and. Uh, a couple of kids in the school bus saw me that morning, that morning, and I had had this short, short hair. And yeah. Jacob usually used to kind of wave to my daughter and I as we, they'd leave and we'd go to preschool and um, he'd wave to us. Well, he did not wave. Like, it was like, oh, turkey, he's not waving at us. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I came, you know, I asked him, like, hey, what was that? You didn't, you didn't wave at Jesse girl and I. And he was like, kids on the bus are making fun of you and <gasps> said that you were an ugly mom and a punk mom <gasps> in your hair and I was like oh my gosh I'm like I'm so sorry and here he finally reached that moment you know mom you're good to go out without your wig and sure enough his biggest fear happened <gasps> it's it, it's the lack of understanding and I, I I called the school and was like you know I don't want these kids to get in trouble I right. want them to be called in and let them know what Jake's mom is going through let them yeah. know that I have cancer, and when you do that, you go through treatments, and you lose your your hair, and it starts to come back, and that's the point that I'm at, and that I want them to be sat down and really talked to about what I'm going through, and I don't want them to be suspended or in trouble, but they right. didn't know. They were sixth graders, you know, I mean, or maybe fifth Yeah. Grade. They didn't know, and, you know, they, he was never teased, teased again about it, but it's also just educating kids, too, and... yeah. But is that's that's the saddest thing I think I've heard this whole talk. <laughs> I mean, the the lack of empathy, the lack yeah. of concern for other people, the the thought that they did that their first reaction was to bully, mm-hmm. um, is disheartening and a little discouraging, really. Yeah. Um, that that isn't somehow uh, reflected. You know, I'm not blaming parents by any means. Please don't ever judge me by what my kids do, but. Um, that there there isn't that empathy or kindness that's just kind of naturally taught uh that they had to have a an assembly or a talking to to have that empathy that should come naturally um ah wow that is that's really something your kids are so strong i i, I really appreciated the the talk that Jesse gave the other day and and um 
you know, they're so grateful to have you, but it was, it's been hard for them as well. And that's a perfect example of what your kids have had to go through as well. And, and, um, man, and I'm sure, like you say, being a two income family, now you've got this, in, you know, Steve's having to step up and, and, and I'm sure he was worried and fretting and, and it's, there's so many dimensions to illness. Yeah, it's not is. just the one thing, but, well, you are just such an inspiration, Becky, really. I mean, everything that you, it's like the minute you wake up in the morning and go, Hey, I feel pretty good today. Go. It's like, exactly. you, you take <laughs> advantage of, right? <laughs> yeah, you take advantage of every good day because you now know that tomorrow you might not feel that way. And you it's still true. have some, uh, you still have some Crohn's issues going on, don't you? Yeah, I do. It's, so it's been 10 years since that surgery and they kind of told me too that oh, it'll probably be a good 10 years and I can feel it. It's, it's, it's there. I have Crohn's in three different parts of my intestines right now that, that give me problems and, but it's not, it's not where I was. So, you know, it's all manageable. I'm not, I'm not hanging out sick and, and, you know, I do, I, I look at my life all the time and say that I, without sounding stuck up, I have an extraordinary life. I really do. I, I have gotten, I've had all these trials, but, I've gotten through them and I'm so grateful for, for that, but I have traveled the world. I have, I have a great husband that we're having our 20th anniversary this year. I mean, two great kids that are fantastic and there's nothing more that I could ask for. Like, honestly, I, I really have an extraordinary life with great friends and great family and I'm close to all my family and not everybody has close family. You know, I just, I'm blessed. Well, and you have the best mom and dad. I mean, your dad has had some health issues. Your mom has had some. But if you were to look at their faces, you know how sometimes you could be going through a store or shopping and you look at people's faces and you can see, you can see their life on their face. They're just, you just, you can see a lot of hardship or a lot of sorrow. And you look at your mom and dad and they just have this smile. Both of them have this, this permanently implanted smile on their faces. You would never guess that they had gone through everything that they've gone through. Mom's and, got a great smile and dad's got great crow's, crow's feet on his eyes that just twinkle. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're so happy and they serve, you know, your whole family has grown up in the service industry and they provide jobs for kids in the summer and help out so many people. Um, just, you know, trying to, you know, make a living themselves. And you just, you just have such a great family. And obviously you've been taught some great principles that you're, that you're carrying on to your, your kids as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. And, and, uh, now it's your day off. It's 77 degrees. I think it's 60 degrees here. So you go and enjoy the sun. I'm going to go find a coat and then I'll go out and enjoy the sun. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right. Thank Talk you. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. It isn't, isn't she amazing? I mean, can you imagine? I, I joked with her one time and I said, have you thought about having a Bose speaker put in? Because, I mean, a, a, basically you're empty on the inside, right? So maybe you can have some kind of Apple phone or Bose speakers or something put in there. And you could be like this bionic woman that you just push on your elbow and you could get iTunes or something, you know, and she just laughs. She just jokes. She's just got the best attitude. So I really hope that her message today has helped and inspired you to take a look at your life, realize what blessings have been sent to you, how those things, how your life maybe has got a little bit of a turn, a little bit of a bent, but how can you take those those bends and use those to serve other people, to look at your life with a smile on your face and to and just basically to thank the heavens, thank the universe, whatever your form of thankfulness might be, and just give thanks this beautiful spring, April day for everything that you have, and then also turn that around and see what can I do? How can I be a vessel to serve other people? I hope you take that challenge on. We'll talk again next week. Have a great week. Bye-bye. 